Welcome to Highway to Health. I'm Jeremy Quinby. Today on the podcast, I have filmmaker D.V. Crockett. D.V. has lived all over the U.S. because of her work in TV and film, but also because her father was in the military. In her teen years, she was diagnosed with a rare seizure disorder. And just a few years back, she finally got a true diagnosis for her seizures, learning that they were hormonally based. So she spent much of her adult life in many different health systems with numerous doctors and specialists, learning so much about herself and about how differently we are cared for depending on where we live in the U.S. In this episode, she shares her plans for a series she's developing in which she plans to look at our health system state to state. She starts out here telling me about how she started in video work. She's very talented and so much fun to talk to. Here is my conversation with D.B. Crockett. started I was in I did animation that's what I really wanted to do I went to school for it and um, I was doing (laughs) a lot of claymation stuff which I always loved because I like sculpting Um, but uh, but yeah I started doing that and then and then somebody told me that uh, live action was faster and so so I started doing live action but I was still doing some stop motion with people instead of actually like having to move characters like you know artificial characters yeah. I actually could have humans move themselves and that was actually a lot quicker and so I was did, I did cool. a couple movies like that like a couple shorts like that how, how old um, were you <laughs> I was in my 20s Four. I know exactly <laughs> no I was I mean I wish I could say I started doing film when I was that young I always loved film since I was a kid I thankfully I had a I had an older brother that was really into um, horror movies, and we used to sit and watch. That was the one thing that kind of brought us together was that we both liked watching fil- film, and he really loved film a lot, and he kind of turned me on to it. And then I just got, as I got older, I started realizing that that, that, that actually meant a lot to me, and I could do it for a living. Yeah. And then I started doing that. And I, I've... I've basically done everything. I've even gripped before. I mean, I've tried everything in film. But, you know, when you're an animator, you have to do everything anyways. You shoot, you light, you grip, (laughs) you do everything. So you write, you know, so... So then what what, what did you get into from from there? I I know you do some... You've done music stuff, music videos and... Yeah, I mean, I spent a lot of time in in actual, like, independent film. Like, I was actually, I got into special effects makeup when I was in San Francisco. And I did that for a long time. And, you know, I but I did, I did that uh, for a while. But I think I was always the kind of person who needed to have more. Like, I needed to be more responsible. And so I actually got into production in San Francisco Mm -hmm. and, like, coordinated a lot of stuff and I you know I worked in production and I then I produced some stuff and then that was it I moved to LA and I lived in LA for eight years and and worked mainly in production I mean I've always done production um but I think my desire has always been to produce my own content or to have a family of people around me who want who have the same uh goals and want to you know, produce stuff together. Yep. So that's been my dream for a long time. And that's how we meet up. And that's how we meet. <laughs> awesome. So, so tell me a little bit about your thoughts. Like wh- where did, 
where, where did this this idea that you I mean you you clearly had this idea before we met about doing something <laughs> around health and yeah. wh- where what does that come from what's the Well I mean I'll just be honest you know I've I've lived with a medical condition that has been very unexplained for a very long time uh, it's been generalized and it wasn't until about I think like seven years ago that somebody actually gave it a name and um, I have had a seizure disorder for since I was a teenager and um, and no but nobody really understood what it was until this one doctor said well there's this thing that's called catamenial and it's a hormonal uh, thing and so so that was really fascinating because that took me down a road of like, oh, wow, somebody actually gave it a name and now I need to know what that is and I need to. And I mean, I was still having a lot of trouble when I moved here. I actually I had a lot of I was going through um, that whole thing of like, you know, trying to open yourself up to try something new and then realizing that the medical system just isn't. Um, they just don't know enough about stuff. They're still learning. And, and I think that what happened with that was that (laughs) they made so many mistakes. I had, I had, I had gone through so much and it was really horrible that when I came on the other side of it, I was so desperate to start looking for people who actually were smart and, and wanted to help me. And, and I, but I realized I needed to be the the person to do that. Like I needed to go out and look for that. So when I started doing that, I started realizing that like the, the health system isn't really like, we're not really set up, um, that like you really have to be your own advocate in this country. It's like, nobody's really looking out for you. And that's not, I don't know if that's anybody's fault necessarily, but that's the way it's set up. So for me, I wanted to make something that sort of brought those things to light because I'm not necessarily a negative person. I didn't want to take it to a negative place, but I wanted to learn about it because I learned so much on my own just through trial and error about my own condition. And then I started, that started opening up my, um, uh, my empathy towards other people and their conditions, you know, and what yeah. they must be going through. And so that's kind of, so now it's become, cause at first it was going to become a, it was going to be like a documentary series. And now I just realize I'm not a serious person <laughs> by nature <laughs> and I really need things to be entertaining. And so what I want to do is really more of like a daily show <laughs> for health. And it's just the, the talking about, you know, talking to really good people about the state of where we're going in the health care system. Also speaking to a younger audience, because I think, you know, there's I think the the youth are the ones who are really going to be embracing the changes that are going to be happening. Like they're going to be seeing it more. I mean, we're yeah. our system is so flawed in uh, in healthcare that and and also just in in uh society and you know our mental health that's very we're we're lacking in that and i think it's really going to take the youth and technology to sort of 
embrace this new way of doing things and start carrying because we already with Facebook and, you know, we have Instagram, you know, we have all of these, these new technologies that are sort of spreading goodness, you know, there's bad stuff, you know, you see lots of, you know, whatever twerking, whatever (laughs) videos and cat, crazy cat videos, but there's, there's also (laughs) like stuff that's happening right now. That's pretty cool. And there's people who actually are positive about those cool things, yeah. you know, which brings me back to you guys, yeah. you know, you and Aaron. It's like you guys are doing stuff that's actually really positive and it's it's working it's working with that positive uh, note instead of trying to like you're embracing the future. You're not embracing, you know, the past. Yeah. So. So, so, yeah. so when, when you just getting back to like the, your sort of target group of people and no. like what, what age do you envision sort of trying to, trying to hit with this kind of dialogue of the, you know, I, I think I, I can, I can sort of imagine, especially with your background in animation, that if you, that if you brought in something animated to just make your point clear with with something like that i mean sometimes words go over people's heads yeah. just just seeing everyday people talking about something but as soon as you animate it 100%. It, it it changes, changes everything. everything so so yeah. so like yeah. what like what what is the where's the beginning point or or you know what age to what age are you thinking about i mean i hope it reaches everybody i mean i some of the the, some of the things that I think about, are we, you know, uh, talking about, are pr- are pretty broad discussions. I mean, we've t- we've we've been talking a little bit about it, but my ideal would really be to look at our healthcare system in the United States as a whole and break it down and discuss every state's, you know, needs and issues. <laughs> Um, you know, why do we have Colorado made pot legal while other states are not? You know, yeah. like there's certain things that I want to talk about that I think are re- so relevant. And you you can reach, I mean, look at, you know, I mean, rest his soul. Chong, who died today, you know, yeah. we he was a pot smoker, like a total advocate of pot smoking. And, you know, that age... It's not like it's unlimited. Like if you're a pot smoker, you're a pot smoker, you right. know? So to me, I think it all just has to do with what you're talking about, you know, what topics you choose to talk about. And what what I want to do is I want to talk about the relevant topics. You know, what are things that we're thinking about today? I mean, just in some of the interview, I mean, I, I just have started um, doing a few interviews with people that I've met that's like at a barbecue and at a diner, you know, I met a girl at a diner and, you know, some of the topics that they were talking about are, are, you know, they're simple topics. You know, my, the questions that I asked were just like, you know, how do you see health care today and, and what would you like to see different in the future? And, um, each person had something different to, you know, to give like each of them thought about something different you know none of the answers were the same and you know one of the girls was (laughs) like talking about that food was a huge thing for her because she grew up in the midwest and for her the there was fast food everywhere and there was an obesity problem and people actually made you feel bad if you wanted to work out you know it's like (laughs) because there was so much judgment on it you know, of like, this is the way we are and this is the way we want to keep it. Yeah, we want to keep it this way, you know. 
and that was really important to her. And it's funny because we were her and I were joking because she's at, she works at a diner. Yeah. But it's a pretty nice, you know, you, you and I went to that <laughs> diner. So it's like it's actually a pretty hip diner in Astoria. But um, and their food is pretty good. You know, they have like Brussels sprout the waiter, veggie burgers the, or whatever. The, the, the wait staff dances around yeah. to bring you the food. They and... have DJs. I mean, it's awesome. Uh, it's called a hip hop diner, which is so weird. It's called Flat Tops. <laughs> Plug in them. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just funny because, and, and, you know, and she was, you know, she was joking, but I thought it was so hilarious. It's like, she's talking about, you know, why do we still have trigonometry in in school yet? We can't feed our kids well, you know, and that's why they're not smart. Like, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's been proven. I mean, we all know about this, that the better you eat, the, the, the more effective your brain works. Yeah. It's like if you're eating good stuff, you're putting good stuff into your body, you're drinking liquid water, you know, these things are, these, these are basic primal things. It's like if you're doing those things in your brain, your body's going to work more effectively. But for some reason, you know, and this is a part of this, like my soapbox, whatever. I mean, part of it has to do with, you know, schools don't want to pay to have better food. You know, and yet that's the priority. Yet you're paying, yeah. you know, yet the school is doing a lot of other stuff. Probably they yeah. don't need to do, you know. So it's just um, this is like a this. It, it, but like I said, it's like I think some people are that's more of a priority for them. You know, food. And and, and my my point, you know, with the, the podcast sometimes is to look at let's look let's look at let's look at her. Con, you know, this this dialogue that you're having with this person who's basically saying, you know, is trigonometry really that important for right. us right now? Is is yeah. it is it the biggest you know the big the, like if we're looking at this through a, sort of the window of health, and 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 we believe that you know the the health of our our population is rapidly declining and is going to be like a, it's going to be catastrophic to our economic system. Why are we putting so much <laughs> effort <laughs> into trigonometry? Exactly. I mean, I'm, I'm like sure. Why are we learning that? I'm sure there's like, plenty of other know. arguments for why we should keep trigonometry and not teach us yeah. how to like move our bodies and take care of our bodies. And, and we'll talk about that on my show because I feel like the the thing that's good about this is like we're not just going to stop there. Like we 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 want to actually make it interesting. So that by bringing a trigonometry teacher in and tell and asking him why he thinks totally. it's important, uh, that'd be great. I can't wait to hear that. <laughs> so i mean you know that's the thing i feel like it's the dialogue that we're lacking you know i feel like everybody wants to talk about it they they just not everybody wants to talk about it you know you and i were talking earlier about the fact that for the most part health is really boring to talk about yet at the same time everybody's talking about how crappy the Obamacare is. Like they spend more time talking about how pissed off they are. Once you get into your, basically once you get into your twenties, you get post college and you, you know, especially now if, if, you know, it's almost, it's going to get to a point where having healthcare is going to be enforced Yeah, and you're going to have to have it. And yet the, the kind of care that you, that you get for that dollar value it it just doesn't seem worth the kind of time. I mean, I spent most of my twenties without healthcare. Yeah. I was a struggling musician and I, you know, I was like, well, fuck it. If I, if I die, right. <laughs> I'm, I'm dying doing something that you I love. love. Yeah. I hope my teeth don't fall out. <laughs> like every time I had like a sore gum or something, I thought I was like, Oh my God, I'm going <laughs> to die. I hope, I hope my friends take care of me. <laughs> but 
but I, but I, I, I feel like you have like scurvy. Yeah, I think you have scurvy. <laughs> oh, I had, I had scurvy so many times. <laughs> I would just pop those vitamin C pills right, all the time. Exactly. But, but I think, but I think it gets to a point where you're you're really relying on your on your sort of social group around you to help you through these processes like you're going through when 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 you when you had this condition and and you couldn't figure it out luckily you ha- you knew some one other person who was like yeah I've had that happen to me before but yeah, yeah. otherwise what do you do you know and, yeah. and and if and there's I mean I because of the field that I work in I end up dealing with so many medical mystery things that for whatever reason, because I kind of have an influence on, you know, sort of changing a person's sympathetic fight or flight response, it just quiets down. Yeah. And, and then the, you know, the, I, I, they go back to their doctor and say, well, I'm going to a craniosacral therapist and, you know, it's getting more accepted, but the, they might not say anything cause they're afraid of the eye roll, you know? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah no, it's so, true. so, you know, I, <clears throat> I'm, you know, m- one of my goals is to keep kind of bridging these, these networks. And if I know someone is going to have, you know, is, is going to see me and has already been to like 10 other doctors, which is th- the case a lot of times, I want to get them on some sort of, you know, group channel, like we're on together using a sort of encrypted app type thing where we can like share information with each other. Yeah. We can have your medical stuff on there. We can give you articles and resources and you can just tell us how you feeling like once in a while. Check in. Hey, having a good week. Haven't, you know, had any issues, you know, yeah. when you're having the vertigo stuff like that's, you know. Yeah. And that's and, and the thing that a lot of I think the thing that I find that's fascinating is that your health is the most stressful thing in the world. If you don't have your health it leaves you so vulnerable because you you don't first of all you don't know what's happening but then also um there's no real there's no safety net here yeah. like we don't have a safety net for people who it's it's a lot of take and not a lot of like just give just for the sake of giving yeah. and and i and and that's that's all i don't know when that's been any different except for the fact that I was blessed because I am a military child. And if it hadn't been for my father being in the military, mm. I don't know what my life would have been like growing up because yeah. my, we had socialized medicine and, yeah. you know, and that's the other thing that I think is so funny is that socialized medicine is such a, ooh, it's so evil yet, you know, our army is socialized our fire departments, our police, these guys are all basically, schools. yeah, public schools are all socialized medicine. And it's, it's so, and this is the other thing about definition. I think we are labelers and we're, and we, and we have these tagline things that just get spread yet. People don't really understand them. They don't understand how important they are. They don't understand how useful they are and how, when you have something like a socialized system, you actually take away that economic issue and you actually make it more of a you know we can call it welfare but it's actually it's it's more of a uh, a place where the doctors and the the people who are the support they actually are there because they care versus they're just going to make money from it yeah. and that and it and it all affects you know I was just talking to this guy uh today a friend of mine who 
who is, and I was telling you about it, but I've got this friend who works in uh, rehab. And it was so interesting because he's telling me the story. And I would have never thought that rehab could be a money-making uh, place that like people get into it because they're going to, they want to make money. Um, but, uh, he was telling me that, uh, he works for this, uh, rehab and that, um, with rehab, rehab, you're talking about from drug abuse, drug alcohol abuse, abuse. like it could be both, you know, there's a documentary about it. It's called, uh, like the business of recovery or I'll I'll look it up. It's a true, it's real. Like he's telling me about it. And I was like, it hit me all of a sudden. I was like, Oh my gosh, no wonder. But see, that's the, that's the, (laughs) to me, that's where we go back to the state of our mental health, because I think mental health has something to do with why these things are, are money making because we have a very slanted view of, what health should be and, and, and what giving should be, you know, if you're trying to help somebody recover from, you know, uh, alcohol or drug abuse, then you have to really find out where that comes from. And a lot of times we don't look at drug abuse or alcohol abuse as a mental illness. And it is because when you, you know, people who have it for the most part are, you know, compulsive, like they're, uh, compulsive, right? Right. Um, and, uh, in, in, also there, there's, you know, it's, I don't know enough about the actual, uh, addictive part, but I know that, um, I have, I have somebody in my family that, that, um, is an addict and, uh, he's been told that he's actually allergic to, he's Native American mm-hmm. and that he's allergic to alcohol, but yeah. he's addicted to it, you know? Right. And um, he had a really bad problem with it when he was younger. And now he's fine, but it's still something he's going to live with forever. But that's that to me is is a deficiency. It's like it's some kind of deficiency or some kind of chemical thing. And we don't look at that yeah. in our system. And, and I think know? too many times that uh, this is a perfect situation where, you know, we, we want to have uniformity to the way we treat every single person and, and every given condition. Yeah. And yet, you know, we, we have all these genetic, you know, varieties that, you know, basically, you know, you, 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 you get forced into sometimes trying something for a drug that's really going to be the worst thing for you. And yeah. I mean, we were talking about this earlier with, yeah. with you, like you, you, you were given something that you know as a to, to deal with your seizures, which you you talk about, but you you basically found out later in life that it's highly addictive, and you basically now that you're older, you can't get off of it. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's funny too because that's where we go back to where we trust um, medicine so much. We've gotten to the point where we trust them so much that we don't understand that it is a practice. Like they're learning as they go. And in fact, majority of the time, you know more about what they're doing than they do because they're not you. They're not going through what you're going through. They're just trying to understand it as a science and not necessarily as, you know, a personal, you know, a personal experience, you know? And I, you know, for me, it was, it was really, it's cool though. Cause like, I want my doctors to be a lot smarter than me. Like I always want them to be smart and funny. Like they need to yeah. be smart and funny. Yeah. And if they're not, I'm just like, okay, I already know what this is going to be like. This is be a terrible experience. <laughs> <laughs> but I had this one doctor who was like in his seventies. He's been around since you know since the beginning of you know probably neuroscience. I mean, he's just been around forever. And he was just talking about how 
you know, a lot of times people just are so, were so desperate when they didn't know what to do. They wanted to do something. Yeah. And so they were so desperate to just, and doctors felt that way too, because they had the pressures of the parents and going, well, what are we supposed to do? How do we treat this? And so a lot of times they would just put you on something, you know, yeah. and yeah. just go here, just give this and see if this works, you know? And it's still like that today. And that's why I think it's really important. I, I, I've, I find it's really important for people to actually care about their own health and to care about, um, you know, when they're going into seeing some, you know, a doctor that they don't put everything on them, that they don't expect that they're going to be making miracles, that they have to do their homework as well, you know? Um, but yeah. And, but, but do you think that's the, the job of, of an individual, every individual, you know, in, in, in our system needs to be their own advocate. I think they need to care about themselves. I, I, I think agreed, that's the yeah. key. Like they have to care enough about it. I mean, that's, you know, I was watching this documentary recently about, um, about people who are taking their, the health system into their own hands, like doctors and organizations. And there was a place, I think it's, I'm, I'm probably say this wrong, but anyways, there's this doctor in this small community. That's a coastal community. Um, and he ha- he makes house calls, and the majority of his people that he makes house calls are diabetic, mm-hmm. and they're overweight. And he says the hardest part about that is the fact that these people don't care about themselves, and they don't see it getting better because they have no reason. They 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 a lot of these people seem like they don't care about themselves. Right. And so the idea of having somebody go into your house and say, all right, what are you eating? Are you getting up? Are you exercising? So next week you're coming to me yeah. and you, and I'm not going to see you and I'm not giving you any more drugs until you come here. And to me that just that action of having somebody care is, is the start of it yeah, because you know, my, 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 partner friend dr aaron who you know is has said that he thinks he thinks like you know first visits with doctors should take place in your home yeah that basically (laughs) you should you should you should get the information of just looking at this person's environment yeah and that's the base of where you know you 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 don't necessarily you don't necessarily have to judge everything based on that but if if you see certain kinds of behaviors that you know um our, our tendencies for this person, it's, you, you, you know, it's there. It's, it's, it's part of their intake. You can even ask them questions within their home about stuff that they're doing. You, you could ask them, could we, could we, you know, show me, show me your, your, you know, basic foods that you like to eat on a daily basis. And, yeah. you know, uh, and if they say like, you know, broccoli and spinach and stuff, it's like, I don't see any of this in yeah. your refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> like okay <laughs> you're gonna go through it's like that that'll really embarrass you yes. right <laughs> to actually have them come well i'd be curious to see how that would work in big cities because i find that the big city issue that we have is, i mean that that one of the, the biggest parts about healthcare is that we we don't really have good health care in the big cities like we have specific health care that caters to people who can afford it yeah and then we, we have, have the best we have else. the best health care in the world in big cities that none of us can that afford the, the, the majority of us can't can afford to yeah. go to and that's the thing i find is fascinating because i think that you know the people who actually really need it are the ones who can't 
afford it. And, you know, and then you have a lot of people who are just, you know, um, uh, I don't know, you know, they they think they have problems. (laughs) They're always in the hospital and they don't, you know. And it's like, and I'm sure those doctors get tired of those people, but... I don't know. I mean, I just feel like we we're we just and I don't know. You know, I've talked to a lot of people from other countries. Um, this I met this woman um, at dinner. So I produced a film uh, called "Is That You?" Uh, a couple years ago, and it's an Israeli film. Hmm. It's like part Israeli, part um, uh, American, and. Um, one, uh, afterwards, uh, Israelis are amazing because they just come out. They're just beautiful. They just support so much. Um, and there was like a table full of Israelis. We all went to dinner after the movie. And I was talking to these girls that were sitting next to me. Here, and here in New York? It was in New York, yeah. And um, I was talking to these two girls that were next to me and um, just asking me a, a little bit about them. And one of the girls lived in Australia. And she grew up in Israel, but she moved to Australia when she got older. And um, she got breast cancer. And she said that during the whole process, it was really amazing because in Australia, they do everything for you. They know that you're stressed out. They know that this is a big deal for you emotionally. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just getting your appointments and getting there and, you know, getting the treatments and then being at home. It's like she said it was mind blowing that they just do everything for you. Not that she was surprised by it because she had been there for a while. So that was normal. But when she went to a friend, um, there was a friend of hers in Israel that was dealing with it as well. And they did. And she was stressed out the whole time. Like they didn't do anything. And it was just the system. It's like you have a carrying a system that actually is set up to care about the people and understand and be empathetic to how hard it is when you're going through something like that. And then you have a system, you know, which is what ours is. It's like, for the most part, there's, you know, we just look at it as like, there's so many people yet there's not that empathy, empathy towards what people might be going through yeah. during that time. You, you, so. you get to the front desk and you're like, are you here for the cancer screening? <laughs> I know it's really fun. Uh, I mean, it's kind of funny because it's sort of like, it's so weird how we treat people when it, when it comes down to, to health and, you know, when you're sick, it's like these people are so incredibly like gruff about it. Yeah. Like there's no, you know, there's no sensitivity yeah. or yeah. anything, you know? Yeah. But anyways, so. I, I, I get into these conversations a lot with people who, you know, they're when they're struggling. I mean, I, I end up sort of dealing with the effects of the trauma that they go through yeah, when they go I'm through sure. the health yeah, system. Yeah, yeah. And, Last year I had a, a woman, she's an acupuncturist in, in Minneapolis, and she she had like, you know, sort of a mystery thing going on. She was just like, she was dizzy and she, there was a, you know, she was having some like, I think some, some vision issues and mm-hmm. stuff. So she went to, uh, she, she went to an optometrist, had, had, because I think her, her doctor asked her to have a, a vision check and the optometrist said to her, you know, I've seen this kind of thing before. Could be a brain tumor. <laughs> and she came, and she, and she came to me, and and I, I just, I, I couldn't believe it. You know, I, I almost wanted to call this person up and say, you know, 
have you had do you have any idea what that does to a person's nervous system when you um, when you suggest something that you have no idea suggesting yeah it's and, it's really we- weird when people throw their personal opinions out because yeah. I feel like that's a personal opinion that's Absolutely. a judgment and, and, and it should yeah. be out of it should be out of you know a, a medical dialogue completely yeah. yeah it's weird I know I had that okay so um a couple of years ago well, no, last year I had a fibroid. I had like, yeah. it's in my family. Like yeah, we have it my common. mom, my, you know, grandmother. Um, and mine was a very large fibroid. And I've been living with this for a really long time. And I went a couple years ago, it started growing, like it was getting bigger. And it goes along with my hormonal problem. Right, right, yeah, it's like yeah. they, it speeds up sometimes. So the growth was speeding up um, because of my hormonal changes or whatever. And, um, so I had it was I think at that time it was like seven centimeters or something and um, I went to this this doctor this one my my do recommended me go to this doctor and she was like a surgeon you know whatever gynecologist whatever OBGYN and I go in there and we start to talk and she's like well why don't you just get a hysterectomy and I was like what and she goes you're not gonna have kids are you. Like she looked at me oh like, and God. I was sitting there going, I was so devastated because I was like going, wait a second. Like, what does that have to do with, like, why would I just jump to ha- have a hysterectomy? It, it, like, even are, if I wasn't going to have kids, like, I don't want to get rid of everything. It's like, what? That's me. Like, I can, if I don't need to, why would I do that? And she, and it's so bizarre that this person just all of a sudden was like, her, her, where her brain went was you're you're too old to have kids. Why why not just get rid of it all? Why and are you it's holding like, on to this stuff? Oh, I was just like I was. I really honestly, I I I actually laughed at her, <laughs> and I said, "Did Good. you really just say that to me?" And she's like, "And I go, you're terrible. You like your bedside manner is really bad." Yeah. And so I went to my doctor and I told her that, and she goes, "Oh." I'm so sorry. And I was like, it's just funny because a lot of these doctors, you see it in their face too. They have no idea what they just said. They have no idea what that means. They have no idea how it connects with the patient at all. It's like, and that I thought was to me, it's just, it's comical because it's, it's showing how disconnected this person is to the patient and, and how they're feeling is they're just saying what they would feel. Yeah. versus how you know what, oh, where how do you think that, that where do you think that comes from well it's it, what i've heard my friend calls it um my friend calls it emotional intelligence and it's like stuff that's not taught in yeah. medical school mm, right and i i had a meeting recently with this friend of mine who's uh who has this um she's got this organization called spotlight on uh, uh spotlight on charity and uh, I think that's right. Uh, if it's not, I'll, I'll, recorre- I'll okay. correct it. Um, but what she does is she finds people who um, she finds celebrities who are attached to charities, and um, and she just meets with them and talks with them. And she, but on her day job, she's an actor, and she works for one of the big hospitals here in New York. Sometimes doing these tri- these like uh, they're almost like little. Um, 
uh, exercises with the, with the doctors, yeah. like these new yeah. students. And she comes in and she's a patient and she has these horrible, like this whole series of dialogue that she's supposed to play out. Like it's a, it's just a, a little dialogue thing that she does. And, um, and it's all trying to get the doctors to pry for them to, to pry more into what the problem is and to get down to the meat of it. Like there's abuse, like there's a woman who has abuse. She has something else, but then you find out that part of it has to do with this, you know, domestic abuse stuff. And so it's all about getting the doctors to actually think outside um, and care and get in touch with that person, the, the, the patient. And to me, I find, I was just like, whoa, that's so cool that they're doing that. Cause I, because I feel like part of it is when, you know, and, and, I, and I know a lot of doctors. I have friends who are doctors. I have friends who are dentists. I mean, I have friends who work in the field and, and, um, and in all areas. Um, and, you know, they would often say that, that you know, first of all, um, you become desensitized when you get into the field because you're constantly just dealing with people all day and you can't take it all in. So you can't take the emotional side in. So you just kind of cut that off at some point. Yeah. And then everything is just about getting through it. You know, it's like, how do I just deal with it and then move on? And, 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 and the volume, I think sometimes, <laughs> like, I mean, I, I, I've, it, I I've been doing this for 20 years and I deal with mostly people who have mystery illnesses and chronic pain yeah i mean to start like everybody that comes to see me few people come to see me who are like i'm just feeling great i just need a little tune up you know (laughs) and and so and so i but i but i my what i do early on although i think i did last time when i came to see you i think i felt fine i was like no i just wanted to see you I just wanted to hang out and talk. I, you I'm, know? I'm at that point. My New York trips are like that because like that's, that's part of it. But, but, it, but I, I, you know, I deal with a lot of that. I've dealt with that for years, but you know, I, I feel like when I, when I get somebody who clearly needs that kind of attention, yeah. I block off extra time. Yeah. I, I, I know I'm, I know I'm going to spend a little extra time talking to them and, and they need, for one thing I need, if, if, if I'm going to, if I'm going to have a positive outcome with them, then I need to I need to really understand more about what's going on, and most of that comes down to just listening. Yeah. And, and I think that is the biggest problem that I see going on is just just the inability to just you know tell me what's tell me what's going on. Tell me you know like tell me tell me what your stress level is like on a scale of one to ten today, or you know this past month, or mm-hmm. you know have there been any big uh, you know events in your life any big changes in your life i mean just simple things that these are the kinds of things that i ask people when i first intake them but if i haven't seen them for a while i'll I'll ask them again i'll say you know they come in i'll say how you doing how you feeling how's your body doing you know tell tell me tell me about what's been going on lately you know any anything anything exciting to report and you know it starts out as a very simple dialogue that oftentimes will you know It'll, it'll be very friendly and casual. And then all of a sudden it's kind of like, I'll start learning that like, you know, well, there, there's some relationship stuff going on, you know, their husband's not really helping them that much with the kids as much as they hoped they're trying, they were trying to work on some stuff and there's a lot, this chronic back pain though is just not helping. And, you know, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not helping, but it's, you know, it's clearly related to the, you know, the, the emotional stress and the it's things probably that are keeping going on. it there too. It's yeah, like, that's, you're not absolutely. releasing it because you have this other stress. That's happening. You know, yeah. Or we could say, 
you know, you might have a bulging disc. Let's do an MRI and let's check that out without yeah. asking any of those questions. And that yeah. this is this is where I think we kind of miss the the point. Sometimes we can always, you know, Aaron says this all the time. We can always we can always look at at the body with with scans and find something right. if, if we really want to. And then it's all a matter of who looks at the scan. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I mean sometimes I think I'm happy that I've done certain things. Like I. Um, I've dislocated my shoulder a few times and, um, and that shoulders has, you know, has had like torn rotator cuff. Um, and I have to say that I was very happy that I took the route I did, um, because the doctor, and thankfully the doctor that I was seeing, the, the, uh, surgeon, the, yeah, she was great. She was a sports surgeon and she was like, I don't really think that you should have surgery because it's pretty, you know, it's a bit, it's a big surgery and, um, and you're at a point where you might be able to recover i mean maybe it's always going to be torn but if you could strengthen it so i kind of took that as a challenge um and i basically went to physical therapy but it was just so intense for me i couldn't do it Mm -hmm. um and so i did acupuncture and i hated her for a while (laughs) like i hated her for like a month she did it to me every week because it hurt it was really and it wasn't even it was crazy because and i tell people this and they don't believe me but i don't care i knew what happened to me i was in a lot of pain with this rotator cuff this tear it was really difficult and i emotionally i was like a wreck because i just couldn't sleep i wake up crying because you roll over on it or whatever and you couldn't take enough drugs to do it i would have had to take heavy crap so many of them yeah it's a it's really crazy when it first happens and you know, I had it for a while. So, um, I decided I was like, you know what? My, my doctor, my DO was just rocking. Awesome. She recommended this woman and, you know, she did it, she did it a couple times. And I was just like, every time I was done, I was like, I am not coming back here. I wouldn't even talk to her. She would do it. And I was so angry at her, even though it wasn't her fault. It was just the nature of it. Cause it didn't hurt where it should have hurt. Like I was fascinated by that. Yeah. It would hurt down below yeah, my yeah. arm and it would be like this throbbing horrible thing and i would be like what is it oh i know it would be so frustrating and every week i would say i'm not going back and then i all of a sudden and i'm sitting at her door you know <laughs> waiting for her to come out and get me and so i did it and i did it for like a month and a half or two months i was doing it every week and um something happened i mean weird 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 happened is that on the I think it was like the sixth time I did it. Um, I was lying in, uh, and I was doing it for like 20 minute intervals. I would do it for 20 minutes a day. Yeah. And, um, and I, um, all of a sudden, like after 10 minutes, something hit, something happened. I don't, I don't know what it was, but I, I feel like it had something to do with the nerves. Like all of a sudden something released in the nerves and yeah. like the pain kind of like became bearable. Like it was really yeah. weird. And, and so then after that, I was able to actually move it. Like I was actually able to push through the pain. Cause I think prior to that, I just didn't have emotional capacity to push through the pain. It just felt miserable yep. and something happened with it. I can't even explain it. I just remember 
hugging her. <laughs> going, Finally, like, something happened. Like, I feel like I actually. I don't hate you anymore. I don't hate you anymore. I know. It was so funny. It's like, and you know, she was so, she was so nice about it because she just saw me every time. It was like so miserable every time. And then, and then after, we, and then after that happened, I finally talked to her about the fact that this whole time I've been struggling so bad because I really wanted to be able to do this on my own. I really wanted to be able to work on on healing it on my own and doing whatever I could without surgery, you yeah. know. And and now I'm like, you know, I just went home and I just was really gentle with it, you know, just lifted a little bit at a time, and eventually it's like full range now like i don't even feel like i i have it yeah yeah that's amazing i mean i i it's it's, (coughs) and and you know this is another piece that you know i'm hoping to kind of get into with dialogue with people and and i kind of hope you explore this with you with your you know your series but you know having access to different kinds of medicine and we you know we talked about this before but you know some sometimes it's it's it kind of it's it's about trying to figure out a person's belief system and and whether or not they believe something is going to work for them. Yeah. The 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 guy that the the training that I did was through the Upledger Institute, which is um, Dr. Upledger was the osteopath who did a lot of the research, started this you know institute down in Florida, done all sorts of stuff down there to um, kind of promote this idea of kind of how the body heals and. He's incredible. The, the writings that he's done and the, and the models that he's created and, you know, all the all the all the stuff that they've done down there to like sort of prove what, you know, what he had kind of like intuited with his hands, mm-hmm. you know, 40 years ago yeah, yeah. is incredible. But one of the one of the things that that someone asked him at one point that I think is an incredible, you know, it it, it really drives this kind of point home about belief system is that the the, someone somebody asked him in a in a interview or something at one point how you know how much of what you do do you believe is placebo effect Mm. and he said it doesn't really matter to me because you know placebo effect is is really just proof of the you know our own ability to become creatively involved in our own process of healing yeah and that is really what it comes down to and the 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 body heal i mean this is my belief system and i'm most of if 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 I sort of you know the, the people that I tend to collect around the allopathic world, yeah. <laughs> um, I think most people on the holistic side have this belief system. But I it, that that the body heals itself, and that yeah. it's it's a, it's about how to get that system involved. You know that yeah. sort of in, that in, innate you know response that our body is just self correcting all the time. We don't have to think about it. Yeah. We don't want to think about it. You know we just we just want it to kind of keep feeling the way it is without doing anything good for it. But at a certain point, if you put it, keep putting like Taco Bell and McDonald's into it, it's not going to behave the way you want it to. And, right. you know, we, we're sort of like frustrated with that. Like, but why? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Why can't we keep, you know, you know eating yeah. crap? Yeah. yeah. Why can't we keep eating diet, drinking Diet Coke, you know, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. instead of water, you know, <laughs> just that's all. I mean, yeah, I, it's interesting. Well, it's funny that you bring that up about the body heals is because, um, okay, so I'm, I'm going to tell you the story. It's, it's, it's a little bit, it's a little bit far from, it's not far at all from what we're talking about, but it's not a human. It's my fish. <laughs> okay. But I want to tell you this story because it's actually it's other people like were w- not witness to it, but they saw that my fish was going to die. Like yeah. uh, my sis, my fish had some weird 
something virus and it was hemorrhaging it was hemorrhaging blood through its all of its you know what kind of fins fish? it's a koi okay and it's big it's like wow. that big it's a boy it's like really big and um and i literally was i mean I didn't know what was going to happen. I, I didn't want it to die, but I also didn't know enough about them to know uh, their healing process or yeah. whatever. So I, but I was shocked because I've had this fish for like five years yeah. and I've spent a lot of time with this fish. Yeah. I like yeah. this fish. <laughs> Very human like. Um, but anyways, um, so anyways, but this is, it was a really fascinating thing that happened. Um, so, I was went to a pet store. I got some medicine because they told me that I, you know, that there is this medicine for it. They knew what it was. They knew what this virus was, yeah. and um, and so and my fish sat at the bottom of the tank like for days, like four days. Hurry up! Hurry up and get the yeah. medicine. I was like, I don't know what it would need. It wasn't eating at all. It didn't eat for like four or five days at all, and um, and I just thought, okay, if it dies, you know, whatever, you know, it's a fish. I yeah. mean, you know. But the craziest thing happened. This fish actually just needed, and this is what I think what you're talking about as far as needing to heal. It knew about the healing process. It was a really weird experience to watch yeah. it. And it's a fish, right? Yep. So we don't really think, but it has its own instinctual whatever yep. to heal. And it, it didn't eat, and it just sat there. And I... I um. I'd been giving it this medicine and I was just like, you know, I looked, I was like, okay, if you want to try and do this, just like give me some sign or something. So <laughs> yeah. what I was talking to, I was literally yeah. talking to, I was sitting there staring at it. And I swear after a while, he was just sort of like sitting there looking at me and all of a sudden he took everything he could to get up and swim around the bowl yeah. and then landed back where he was. And I know this sounds like a crazy story, but the only reason why I'm telling you this is that that fish is actually like super healthy now. Like he lived through it, but he just sat and didn't eat because he knew that he, that would have taken too much energy for him. He just needed to rest and just get better. And, and I saw this process happening and I, I think that when it comes down to humans, I think it's the same thing. You know, most of us don't really take the time. When we get sick, we just go out and plow through it. And sometimes that's not what we need to do. Sometimes what we need to do is we need to just sleep. Yeah. And we need to drink. I feel like I have to teach teach adults this all the time. Kids know this instinctively, but it just gets trained out of us eventually on, on some level. There's so many times where I have to be tell, tell you know tell people just to do the most basic things. You you really need to just rest. You mm-hmm. know, move a little bit. You know, do some walking, drink water. Like yeah. the, like you know, those are the, those are the basic things that are that our you know body needs to like. We need to get some circulation and movement happening. But when you're really drained and fatigued and your energy's way down and you're in a healing mode. Don't push hard. I don't want you running. You know, people will just yeah. continue to like, but I got to get my six miles in today. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 There's so much pressure to, yeah. to do this stuff because, because why? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's part of what I think is funny about all of these things that we've developed is a lot of them are just things that we get in our mind that we have to do. Yeah. It's like, they're like, well, I have to run this amount of time and I have to 
eat, eat, brush my hair. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like these patterns that you get yourself into. And at the end of the day, it's like, you know, really what's important is just making sure that you feel good. And that's really what it boils down to. And, and, and I think that there's so much pressure. I mean, I feel like part of it is like, there's a lot of pressure and other people from other countries say this, like Paris, you know, I have friends who are from France and I have friends who are from Spain and I have friends who are from Norway and all of them say we work a lot. Like the United States, the people in the United States work so much and we have so much stress and so much, um, pressure. And, um, and you know, we don't have, like, we don't necessarily have, is it changing the quality of our lives? I think so. Uh, I, mean, I, I mean, think it, mentally it is because you're, you're not, there's nobody saying, okay, some jobs will say, okay, you get like a month off for vacation time or whatever. Um, it's not a priority here though. Yeah. It's not, it's not mandatory, yeah. but it should be because it's a mental health days. <laughs> it's like, you need Absolutely. to have, well, I, I think, know, I think what you're sort I of think. talking about too, like with, with just not, you know, not being able to be in that place where you're listening to what, you know, the, the, the needs of your, your physical body are, yeah. are your, your mental, you know, state. It's, it's, it's this lack of presence that kind of gets worked out of you when you're, when your sort of monkey mind is just like constantly going, trying to, you know, keep up with the, yeah. you know, the, the, the day-to-day, you know, hamster wheel yeah <laughs> just like i can't keep up i can't keep up i, I can't keep up i gotta keep going i gotta keep going yeah and you know really the quality of life what, what is the quality of life if you're just in that spin i mean yeah. that's 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 the way i i every once in a while i feel like i just need to have a day that i where, where i really do nothing like i i don't i don't plan anything if something accidentally <laughs> happens that's fine but i, I and i it's, and I'll, I'll suggest it to people sometimes i'll say plan a day in the next two weeks and do nothing. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. You know, and if, and don't, you know, don't, don't make, just don't make any plans. If, if you accidentally leave the house, you know, that's, that's fine. Maybe, yeah. maybe you need something. Yeah. But, you know, it's my ice cream. <laughs> but, I, but I, 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 it's so hard for some people. It is. No, I know. And that's, and I think part of it just has to do with the fact that we have this invisible, um, this Im- invisible judgment, you know, that you're not doing enough or you're not, you know, that you have to be doing what everyone else is doing. And I think, um, a part of that pressure kind of keeps us out of our heads a little bit. Like yeah. we really should be in our heads so we can be intuitive about those things. And I feel like part of our problem, that's why people smoke. It's a way to get out you know, it's a way to get out. It's yeah. a way to go outside and be and think. And but that's not good. <laughs> it's like right. you're going outside to smoke. It's like, you know, you go outside to get some fresh air, but you have to be doing something. It's like I, it, I mean, I get it because I smoke for a long time. But I feel like um, I feel like for the most part, we pe- problem is you don't see it because no one else sees it it's like you're doing what everyone else is doing. So that's like a complete, um, that's a difficult thing to change if everybody is, you know, working really hard and isn't giving themselves any personal time and and taking care of themselves. 
then you feel pressured. You have to do that too. And, but really a healthier environment would be in a healthier culture society would be that people actually don't worry about what other people are doing and they're just doing what they need to do. And I I also feel like a lot of this comes from the, the culture of, of this, you know, we we all live in our, in our own individual spaces Mm -hmm. and we're, we're like in this, in this bubble going through our own stuff, even with our health issues, you know, I mean, I understand sometimes you don't want to talk about it with, with some people, but you know, I, I think when you end up sharing it, you know, you're like talking about fibroids or something. When you end up sharing, you're like, you'll find 10 other people that have had fibroids, you know, I know, I know just uh, like (laughs) 20 people that I just, like are just friends of mine who have them or know what they are, you know? And it, it, you know, for like, for my job, I had a back issue, you know, it was pretty, pretty serious. Like I really thought I was not going to ever get better. Yeah. And so when you, when you like, it, it allows me to treat all those people better because when, when someone comes in with any kind of chronic pain, I know what that's like. Yeah. And, and I can, I can at some point either share my story or, you know, help them understand that I know exactly what it's like to be in that space. Yeah. I know what, I know what it's like to feel like completely drained and fatigued because it's just wearing on you and you don't feel like you can keep up with your day to day stuff and you start getting depressed and you start, you know, questioning all these different things. And, and that's, you know, I, I think if if people understand that you've you've been through it, yeah, kind of doesn't make it as bad. It's like, oh, but you're, you're totally fine now. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's a funny thing because I think when I was younger, you know, up until I mean, I would say until I've been older. I mean, I feel like I've always been this way up until recently. I've always looked at my you know health as a very private thing and I never really talked about it. And that was actually a fine space for me. But the truth was, as I started, I started realizing that I was actually using it to hide a little bit behind. It felt like this little thing that was sort of my dark secret or whatever. And the truth is, is that I created more drama around that. And I think that that's what happens sometimes. It's like we, when when we don't bring it out into the open and we don't talk about it, it actually becomes more of a issue. Like it becomes more of an issue internally for yourself. Like it's a bigger deal than it is. And yeah. so I think when you do talk about it, because that's really taken me a long time, but that's also like here, that's this. Yeah. That's your head. Like that's your brain. That's your men- mental state. It's like you don't, you, sometimes you can't see these things until something you know till something happens and then you realize oh i've been doing that i mean part of what changed for me is i took a class a writing class um that was called um uh it was called um what was it called i can't remember um it was a class about breakthroughs like Mm. it was basically to help you start writing again and a friend of mine had recommended it and it was like a six-week um class um and I started taking this class and this teacher was having us write, do these assignments. And it was a pretty small group. It was like eight to 12 people. I mean, it wasn't very much. And, um, one of the things he talked about was the drama that we create in our lives. And, um, and you know, there's, there's all kinds of dramas that you could have, but a lot of times, um, you know, those dramas actually create more problems for you because, they 
they um, they make you hide behind them sometimes. They, they, they take they take the place of the the life that you'd like to lead. Exactly, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> no, and it's funny because I yeah I kind of like use that as an excuse sometimes. Even though I'm like I'm probably different than some people. I've I was just telling you I have some really tough brothers, and I had no brotherly love when I was growing up. When it came down to any kind of like disorder, or anything that you could have possibly yeah. have, I could have been. I could have not have had two, you know, legs or something and they'd still give me a hard time for, you know, something. I mean, it would always be that like, oh, you crippled, you know. Um, no, I'm, I'm being really hard on them. But that but I do think in a way it's like, you know, that when people don't look at it as as a big deal, then you don't look at it as a big deal. Right. Yet, yeah, I feel like it kind of was because you have all this like other stuff that's like everyone's kind of going, oh, my God, are you OK? You know. But then you, you know, out in public, it's like, shut up, man. You know, um, <laughs> anyways. Well, kids, know, kids, off, kids are off. always, kids yeah. are always rough on that stuff. Yeah, like, that's what I mean. Like, I think in general, it's like, you know, family is, is just family. I don't know. You just, you can just put that on a blanket, you know, and just say family's family. But, um, but I, but I think in a way this class, what this class did for me is that, um, there was this thing he talked about with, uh, was about drama, and he had us write um, a letter to ourselves in the future. Yeah. And um, and I wrote this letter about um, who I wh- who I was at that time. And um, it was like I think I was calling myself or some I don't know. It was yeah. like a note to myself or whatever. But I've done this exercise before, so I know it. Yeah. yeah. And it and it was good because it actually made me talk about my disorder a little bit and how it wasn't really that mysterious. And that it's like, I had always been making this thing about it and hiding it. And, you know, yeah. and after I did that, I actually started telling my friends just not like, Hey, feel for me, whatever. Yeah. But it was just like, look, I've never told you this before. And I feel like I want to share this with you yeah. because you're, I love you and you're my friend. And, right. and it, and it shocked everybody. Like yeah. everyone was shocked, but I didn't get like what I thought I was going to get, which was, you know, Ooh, yeah. what, what is that? You know, yeah. it's like, I really have always felt like, you know, I was going to get like some weird, horrible response yeah. and pe- nobody would want to hang out with me. I know, exactly. <laughs> like, I always thought, that. I don't know. I mean, I didn't realize people were cooler than I thought they yeah. were. Sorry. Well, they're your you friends, know. you know. <laughs> you, you chose them for a reason, I think. I know, I know. And it's funny because my, my best friend is just like, you know, she, you know, she wants to know what you do if it happened, but she also too is just like, I don't know what the hell is wrong with you, you know? Like, why wouldn't you tell people that? And it's like, I don't know. I can't yeah. tell you what's going on in my brain all the time. Sometimes yeah. it just doesn't want to do something, and, yeah. you know. But anyways, I think I think in general that's, there's, also, there's a lot a, of people it, like that. It's, I, it's, I think it also has something to do with, like, the, the the point in time at which you find out about the the issue that you have. Like, yeah. you were you were pretty young. Like, being a, being a teenager and having to process that without a lot of help. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a, that's a pretty rough thing, especially with brothers. They're like, you know, hurry up, cripple. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I, no, I don't, no. I don't know you guys. But. Well, no, but it's true. No, it's true. You can be honest about that because it is true. I mean, I don't think, I think part of it is just that they didn't know how yeah. to deal with that. No, they didn't. Which, right, you know, and I, like, no, I look I back at it now. I think that's changing. Yeah. I, I just heard an amazing story today, actually. 
this um the I'm, I'm hoping to get these people on the podcast they're here in brooklyn and they've they've like taken in i don't think they've adopted but they've like taken in this this um kid who i think pretty young who he's he's at uh ps29 just down the block here and he um he and his brother were attacked by gorilla and the one of the brothers died a gorilla. A gorilla in in the Congo. <gasps> sorry, not in. I'm like going on the street of Brooklyn. That, it's like wow. They're, 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 so that they're, 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 they're from they're from Congo, and, okay. and they they were both attacked, and wow. one of them lived, one of them died, but the one that lived was his face was disfigured. Wow. And so he's here in the states. Uh, this family is basically paying for all of his medical care mm. and basically trying to you know deal with you know getting him back to a place where he's you know i think i think there might be some functional issues going on as well but but also just you know uh, visibly you know that that he's uh, looking a little bit more normal because apparently i I haven't i have no idea what he looks like at this point but he's apparently very hard to look at and so he's at this public school and i don't i don't i don't know anything about the age but they've had to like you know basically have all the teachers talk to the children about this kid and about you know what's appropriate to say to him and you know how to deal with you know the you know their own discomfort with you know what what they're going to see yeah and the fact that they're doing something like this yeah it's wonderful i mean we i had a kid in my high school who had some facial disfigurement and i feel like you know, people probably made fun of oh, him. Oh, it was and then, terrible. Like, I mean, I know, and that's that's what I'm talking about. As far as like, we're so judgmental in this country. It's like we're a bunch of teenagers. Yeah. Like everybody doesn't. You know, we don't. Like if you go to other places, I'm not talking about every place, but I know in certain parts of, especially in in Europe, you know, there's uh, like in in France. I'm. I just know because I have. You know, I have um, f- friends who grew up there, and you know that socially there's it's it's not bullying like there's really not it's not the same kind of thing there they actually are like more um open about talking about things you know talking about stuff like that and i i think especially when it comes down to people who have a disability or have something that you know is um a disfiguration you know i feel like all we do you know, is we, we sort of, we have this, this symbol of what normal is and then everything else isn't that, you know, and, and, and we judge people based on a lot of different things within that parameter. If you don't look like this, then, then you're abnormal. And I just, I feel like that's such a, it's not a healthy way to be you know because we're yeah. all to, like we're still human and those people actually are dealing with it like it's harder for them than it is for you you yeah. know what i mean yeah. it's like the big picture is they're dealing with something that's so much more difficult and so i feel like it's important and i think it's really wonderful that actually they made it they actually wanted to do that to 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 make it better because i mean i think when kids are young they don't really understand it either like they have to have somebody guide them through what's right and what's wrong or what's you know what's correct and you know that's cool that they actually thought of doing that before that you know that happened yeah 
had this had this really awesome. great when my son was like five we, we were we were in an elevator my uh, when it was when my wife and I first started dating and he, uh, we were in this elevator in the Bronx in this apartment building that she lived in and there was this woman in the in the elevator who was very large mm-hmm. and it was just the three of us me and my son and, and this woman and and I, I just could tell he was going to say something. Like, I knew I knew it was coming, and I was just like, and he's Please. like, why is she so fat? And and it was like, you know, she obviously heard it, and yeah, she did this, so. the most amazing thing. She, she looked at him and said, sweetie, you know why I'm so fat? I eat too much food. That's what she said. That's cute. And, yeah. and he was like, oh. Yeah. You know, like that he that you know basically he was he was wondering you yeah. know and she addressed it very just plainly yeah you know she didn't get into like you know i eat my feelings and all yeah, the reasons yeah, that yeah, she yeah, eats yeah. all the food but it's yeah but just that she addressed addressed it very plainly you know yeah. i thought that was i thought that was amazing well and also too like you know with that it's like you know children they don't know yeah. They don't know what's right and wrong. No. You have to tell them those things. Yeah. Like you have to tell them what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. Yeah. And I think that, that um I I remember <laughs> I I remember so many times it's like I used to have I don't have kids, but I have like younger brothers and sisters. I have two sisters and, and a brother that are both uh, they're all three younger. And so many times um you you know, you go through something like that where they'd see somebody who would have, you know, or missing a leg or, you know, just yeah. whatever. And then that would be their obsession almost. It's yeah. like they want to know what happened. Yeah. And a lot of times they might say it out loud, you know. They it's might a variation. Say it's, it's, cur- like, it's a curiosity. It's a curiosity. Of and it's like, it, but it's the, the way that you deal with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I think some, <laughs> some parents, I mean, what's crazy to me is that the parents feel that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. When you get to a point where the parents are not, they're being children too. Like they're looking at it as if it's the first time they've ever seen somebody that's like this. And, you know, and I, I mean, that's the part that I find is, is difficult because we need to be, you know, we need to be an example, you know, for the kids. Cause they don't, you know, they're just doing, they're just, like you said, they're just being curious, yeah. and, you know, I'm excited to see what you're going to explore with this with this, <laughs> this series because I'm like, okay. I mean I I feel like I feel like it's it's the most basic like I I really that I the the thing that I I think I struggle with with our culture in general is just really addressing each other as like human beings yeah like seeing you know like accepting the variation you know like this all, all this the, the way we even sort of define you know what's how like how we should be like donald trump using like talking about women as tens or nines or whatever yeah you know like that the like that that mindset is so ingrained in in the culture and like you know he's just a you know he's he's just on a stage saying all this stuff but it's it's happening all over the culture and and like if you are in a seven like that you that you feel like you shouldn't or whatever however you grade yourself you know yeah. the, the way you think about yourself on that scale like I, I i have this idea of myself as like just like i i've i've never really thought about myself as being like anywhere 
towards the top of the scale yeah. and just I'm fine with that. Yeah. Like I, okay. I, kinda, I, it, I just, I don't want to think about that scale. It just makes me sad. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, but no, I know it's true. And I feel like those kind of, um, that, that especially with something like, I always think it's funny that that's even coming out of his mouth. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Cause I mean, not to go down that path, but it's just, it's, it's strange sometimes where we have, it's a, it's a really strange, um, uh, uh, composing I, I just I can't understand how somebody like him can be that judgmental considering how he is like and and he has no problem saying and feeling the way he feels even though you know you look at him and you're like when he just looks like a mess yeah. like he just and, and and people have all these different variations on how they view themselves yeah. on this kind of scale and he he thinks he's like way at the top he has no problem yeah. like but, with he thinks he's a 10 you yeah. know and um but i think just yeah. culturally if, if if we get into this i mean i i work with i feel like What's what's really interesting about I don't know the, the kind of work that I do because I I'm like so directly in contact with people's bodies like yeah. all day long, yeah. and I have worked with every body type imaginable. I mean, yeah, just like sure. you know, and you you know, I I really I feel like everyone has some sort of beautiful aspect of them like yeah. physically, and I I feel like the you know a lot of times the the, the people who just spend so much time like obsessing about like one body part that's not in that sort of category of 10 you know they have like thick ankles or something and so they think like oh my god i'm never gonna you know like and they they like do all these things to try to like deal with it and sometimes get surgeries and stuff yeah instead of just like you know like the the fact that we are just alive in general yeah it's a it is just like it's incredible like when i just having you know having had children having created a child right yeah you almost can't believe that it's possible it's like i I almost can't believe that actually happened right yeah we thought about it and it happened yeah like it and it's it and they grew yeah like and they they really grow a lot yeah yeah (laughs) yeah i know they grow fast too there's a huge spurt yeah and, and and you know out of this cellular material it's like it's it's incredible I I feel like people just get into this. I mean, this is also a cultural thing, but they get into this mindset of like, I feel like we're, we're kind of like a a victimized culture of like never having enough, you know, there's, there's, there's something that there's something that I just didn't get. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's not like, I think that's the unhealthy mental, that's our unhealthy mental uh, states because I feel like that, and that's a cultural mental problem because I think um you know for the most part you know we used to have have little like for a very long time people had little you know um I was talking to I worked on that show Tiny House Nation and I was working with um Zach who's actually you know he's he is on the forefront of tiny houses. Like he, he has one and he really supports them and he goes to these conventions and, um, but we were talking about it and he was saying, well, you know, and we were talking, I was talking with a few of the, uh, people on the show, uh, in the, in the people who are actually getting their house made. And we were all discussing tiny houses and we, we were joking that, 
it, it, it like it's just now that we haven't had tiny houses. <laughs> yeah, we used true. to have yeah, tiny houses. That's awesome. Like we used to have small houses because why did you need yeah. a big house? And now we just try and find as much space as we can possibly have yeah. and just cover as much land. Like one of the things I found was really fascinating is when I was in this one part of the country, the Midwest. Um, I was at these, I was at a house and I was talking to the people who lived across from the street from where the tiny house was getting made. And, um, and the, the people were just saying, yeah, you know, it's, it's, I, it, it's going to make the neighborhood go down because <laughs> it, the worth of the you know property yeah. is going to go down. And I was like going, God. I don't know anything about this like whole like yeah. ownership type of thing, but I'm like going, how is that possible? I mean, I mean, they had a lot of property property too. And I was just thinking like all these people have all these, pro- all this property. And what it does is it actually just makes them more isolated. Yeah. It doesn't actually connect them. Yeah, it within within houses, I mean, we've 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 made a point of kind of living in places where we're kind of basically on the same floor. I think there's something. There's, I mean, you know, there are times when you need a little bit of your own space, but yeah. when you have like these multiple floors, you can be on like you know the third floor, and you know your child can be in the basement doing whatever. And you know, to some extent, you might want that space, but I think you know. If, if you're if you're really you know going to you know grow a relationship in any way with someone you, you need to kind of be in each other's business a little bit yeah, you know and you do. and yeah. i mean i just as as a parent you know this goes fast you know you the, yeah. you don't you don't really get that much time to kind of have influence and be around things and i think sometimes like my my son comes home from school and just just for like that 5 minutes when he comes home sometimes i'm there before everybody else and he comes in the door and it's just like a blast of energy and he has to like get some stuff out. And, you know, it's like, it's like five minutes, but it's, it's an important five minutes. And, you know, yeah. if, if, you know, if, if, if I'm not there or if I'm in, you know, if, if he needs to deal with something, and I'm like locked in an office. So like I'm working, I don't want to, I can't deal yeah. with you right now. Yeah. yeah, I, mean, yeah I am yeah. working, but I, but I kind of like to be just out present when he, when he gets, when he gets out there. So, yeah. I mean, I think it's, you know, they say it takes a village, but I think, I think for kids especially, it's like the one thing that they need. I say this, look, I don't have kids, so I can say this. I just say it. I don't know if it's true. But I feel like if I did have kids, I would, I feel like kids, all kids, and I was a kid once, so I know, all kids want is they want you to be there. That's it. Yeah. They don't care how big their place is. They don't care how small their place is. You could be living in a tiny dump, but if you're there and you talk to them and you just show them that you are there and you love them, that's all they need. Like that's what nourishes them because you know what? And then like their little heads are, they got school and they got friends and they got all this other stuff that they have to worry about when they get to a certain point. That, that, that stuff is the big stuff, but like you being stable and just being home and being there and taking those five minutes, it's like that means everything in the world. You remember that when you go up, you know? And I feel like that's the other thing, you know, a lot of people are so busy, you know, that they don't want to, they don't want to just give that five minutes to, you know, to sort of be a good influence and, and, and be healthy to their child, you know? It reminds me of the, do do you know the, the rice, the, the thanking the rice experiment? 
Oh, I've heard of it. So, so there's so there's three there's three canisters of rice and like some water or something, right? And, and there, it's like a month long experiment. And, uh-huh. and you, to one of the jars of rice, you say thank you. To the second jar of rice, you say I hate you. Uh-huh. And you completely ignore the third jar of rice. Okay. At the end of the month, the this was done by a, a doctor in Japan, I think, or something. But the, the 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 rice that he said thank you to every day. It was like a morning ritual. He had to do it every single day, and the 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 thanked rice stays white and starts to ferment. The the hated rice um, starts to turn black, and the and the rice that that Got is no ig- ignored molds. <gasps> Wow. And there's, there's something very that's, sort of, you know, crazy, really? deep about the way. Yeah. Uh, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll share it with yeah, you. It's really. Please do. That's wild. I want to try that now. <laughs> this will be one of the things well, that I'll I, try. Yeah, yeah. This is going to be a part of my, this will be my mental there's health a, there's, there's issue. A, I think there's thousands of people on YouTube that have done this. Already, yeah. So you but can I'll do it, it apart. But, it's, but, I'm, but, it's, you know, but it, I think it's very telling about, test it. about, you know, just your, your, you know, your attention to your children and how, yeah. and, and the, that even if you were just totally shitty to them, it's not as bad as ignoring them. Yeah. You know I mean? Yeah. No, I mean, that's true. that, you know, so that's I, 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 I've, I've, there's been a few people who I've sort of told that to, who said like, Oh, I totally fucked up today. And I just like, I totally said the wrong thing this morning. I like blew up about this thing. And like, he, he was, my child was right. And, and I'll say, listen, you know, that it's that you were present, you know, you were present and involved and you, and your intention is going to come through in the end. But I tell them about the rice experiment. And they're sort of like, okay, yeah, yeah, that's true. I'm <laughs> okay. Not, I'm not that I'm, bad. I'm, I'm not, I'm not ignoring them. I'm not ignoring them. It's At least I'm not ignoring them. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. That, I mean, that's a crazy, I love stuff like that though. Yeah. I love, I love tests that, that have something to do with, um, I don't know, with the discovery you know, uh, you know, when you find something psychologically, like some discovery psychologically, I love stuff like that, yeah. you know, like I know that there's a lot of tests that I don't remember the name of it, where you can find out your personality and yeah. find out the kind yeah. of person you are, you know, and I love stuff like that because a lot of times they aren't, they aren't as simple as that, but I feel like sometimes you actually find out a little bit about yourself. It's something you didn't know. <laughs> I like this. Yeah, totally. I, I, I've, I've like just like horoscopes and stuff. Like I've never really, to, on on some level, I've always felt like yeah, it's kind of BS. But at, at the same time, like I go through it, and I'm like, oh, they, that just totally nailed me. <laughs> God, that's just so. That's you know, and you know, I I think if, if nothing else, it's just like. You, you know, like th- those things work to for for you to be able to recognize like truths in yourself oh, or yeah. or or if if you're in complete denial you're going to deny it no matter what anyway too yeah. right so it doesn't uh, like i i'm i'm open to what my truths might be i feel like maybe that's part of it but well i think also too i think when you get a little bit older you start looking at those things and you start seeing you cuz you want to learn from it versus just keep repeating your same mistakes right that's a thing like um I mean, I, I sort of in the dating world right now, and there's somebody that I, that I was going to go out, 
But we started texting, and he said something like, uh, "He's like, what sign are you? Like, what's your sign?" And I said, "Aries." And he and and Click. he's like, <laughs> and he's like, "No." He goes, he goes, um, he goes, uh, "My birthday is so insane." I was like, "Oh." <laughs> I go, you're a Virgo. Uh-uh. And he goes, I've dated three Aries. And I was like, yep. And you're not dating them now, are you? This is a bad <laughs> repetition. <laughs> We're not doing this. He started laughing. He goes, no, I've learned. You know, we've learned. We've grown up. It's like, no. <laughs> but like sometimes there's truth to that, you know, sometimes. The, and, you know, this, this also goes back to, you know, when you, um, you know, when you keep, you go through, you keep making the same mistake in your life in different areas. And sometimes we learn from them and sometimes we don't. And, you know, the, the trick is to really live consciously, um, and live, you know, how they say live with purpose. It's like, you know, when you look at, if you look at the patterns in your life, you know, you start to realize, oh, okay, so I can change that. I can start changing the right. way I do things. And that goes with everything, but that's specifically in health because I think, you know, when it comes down to a lot of people think they can't turn things around, but all it takes is for you to be conscious and be aware that the things that you were doing were pay- playing a part in something that, you know, that, that like could be causing you to be unhealthy in some way, you know, whether it's your mind or your body or, you know, and I think it it all really does have to do with like just, and and how that, and how that impacts, you know, your world around, you know, the world around you when you're, you know, not, not dealing with those things and families and, you know, generations of families. And I feel like I deal with that kind of stuff all the time with people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you, I'm glad you've, you know, found your purpose. (laughs) Uh, I guess. I, I mean, I think you're. I think you're onto something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I just feel like. Um, I feel like I really have wanted to do something that, that, um, that explored, um, that explored the health in this country, but also, just ex- it opens a dialogue, you know, for people to actually have a, a venue, you know, yeah. some place where they can come to and 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 you know learn or. Uh, recognize something in themselves yeah. or something that they like my mom over the summer I don't know if I told you this last time I saw you but she broke both of her feet falling down some stairs at a yeah. wedding the first step was in the shade she was walking outside didn't see it luckily she grabbed onto the railing and and uh she broke a you know metatarsal on one side and two on the other um, you know, like in heels, the yeah. ankles twisted. Yeah. I think she sprained one of the ankles on the outside too. And so she got all the way down to the bottom of the stairs and then just kind of fell down on her knees. Like she Ugh. luck. I mean, it could have been so much worse, but the, her, her realization through the whole thing. I mean, you know, obviously she went through a week of, you know, feeling pretty bad. <laughs> She's her. like, I'm never wearing heels again. Yeah, That's what yeah. I learned. <laughs> yeah, totally. But what she, you know, when she had, so she had two boots on and she had a, you know, a cane that she kind of used as for stability. And she said, you know, suddenly as she's looking, you know, you move a lot slower. I, this happened to me when I, I tore my Achilles tendon a couple of years ago, mm. but you, you're, you're moving around the world slower and you start paying attention to like 
how people interact with you yeah because you have something visible and then you start recognizing how many other people are walking around with stuff too oh, and yeah. and with other things and then you you realize how sometimes you know people with disabilities of any sort i mean this is a temporary disability basically yeah. but yeah we we they become kind of invisible to us mm-hmm. and they and they you know i think you know from from a cultural perspective you know, some of the things that I think that can be presented in the format that you're doing can just make us more aware of like the, the you know, the, the people around us that like just just need a little support that, you know, they, yeah. it, w- it would it would really change someone's life for you to just like smile at them and pay attention to them and like, you know, simple, simple things that make them make make, make them, you know, feel like they're connected to their world and that they're not separated because they're they're not a 10 anymore or something yeah you know what I, mean? I mean it's like well <clears throat> there's like a really beautiful viral video going on right now and i don't know if you've seen it but it's um it's it's a program in um i want to say it's in some place like um it's not in denmark sorry i don't remember where it was actually at but um the maybe it was sweden um it, it's a it's a program where at um at elderly homes um students can come and live in the home for free mm-hmm. but they have to oh, interact I, I just right? i just saw that yeah and the thing that's so beautiful about that is that you know not only do uh these people you know who are in these homes get to have people from the outside world come in and you know be a part of it but also the, these students come in and they start to see how important it is to to sort of engage with the elderly because yeah. they have so much to offer. Yeah. I mean, we're the United States isn't great about the elderly. Like okay. we put them away and everyone's just fine. We forget about them. And it's like, but the, for the most part, they're super cool. Like yeah. they've seen a lot. Yeah. You know, I've known some mean ones, but I know. <laughs> <laughs> mean young people too, <laughs> but you know we're all mean sometimes. Right. And, but you know, there. I think for the most part, it's like they that we don't appreciate these people who've been here so much longer than we yeah. have, who've experienced and seen things that we can't even imagine. Yeah. And you know, and and we are kind of okay with that. And I feel like that's. I love it when I see stuff like that because I'm I'm like okay well maybe if that spreads out then the younger people will see that and go yeah why don't we do that here I want free rent you yeah. know yeah because <laughs> if you think about it it's like you're getting free rent but you're also getting cultured which yeah. is you know pretty valuable yeah, if you think I about agreed. it I agree yeah so I don't know yeah well i think we're gonna have to have a part two i mean yeah we, we, <laughs> we'll come up with something we, we got pretty far today <laughs> it was pretty good I, we were talking about maybe going for three hours and yeah. look at that yeah, we, we, we we got an hour and a half in. it's pretty good <laughs> it's okay all right well thank you good. yeah thank you and we'll talk soon yeah all right everybody be Bye. well that was dv crockett folks Super fun conversation. She's great. Can't wait to see what she does with this project. I think there will be some surprises. There's a huge spectrum of experience in our healthcare system, and I have yet to see anyone who's interested in exploring this topic in in quite this way. It's potentially a very charged topic, and I feel for people working in health systems at this moment because of all the uncertainty about what's being covered, who's covered, whether or not care is reimbursed. 
and how we solve the challenges of providing quality care in a system with so much confusion. Let me know what you thought of this conversation and topic. We're just getting the podcast off the ground. I'd like to have more guests like DV who are putting their time and effort into projects like this. People with insight and experience trying to figure out ways for us to take care of each other and be better humans. If you have any questions or comments, uh, email me at jeremy at highwaytohealthpodcast.com. Be kind to each other, take care of yourself, and be good to your planet. Be well, my friends.